I want to start right at the very beginning in part two, uh, part two of our series on honor and give you your first note. Your first note is a review from last week and it's simply this. The glory of God, the glory will be produced in a place of honor. The glory will be produced in a place of honor. Where there is no honor, there will be no glory. Because you can't actually produce an atmosphere of glory in an atmosphere of rebellion and dishonor. Can I get somebody to say amen? I said, can I get somebody to say amen? The Bible says all authorities of God. But as I said last week, Americans, particularly the American church, has a problem with authority. We are a people trying to understand authority or kingdom authority with a democratic mindset. We believe the majority should rule because we have been raised in a country that believes the majority rules. Well, by the way, in case you didn't know it, you don't live in a country where the majority rules. You're not a democratic society. This is a democratic republic, which means we democratically majority rule, majority vote, vote on people who go to Washington who are supposed to, and I put in quotation, supposed to represent their constituents. Amen. How many times, many of them are just up there trying to preserve a check, trying to keep that check coming in, and ain't worried about us, praise God, for whatever Christ. How many knows the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, and we get mad because they don't do what we want them to do, but we keep sending them? How about, how about we just take our vote and vote the people in that's actually going to do something? That's another sermon, praise God. I'm stirred up this morning. How many has been praying for you, pastor? Say amen. 1 Timothy 2, 1, 5, 2, uh, 1 Timothy 2nd chapter, uh, verses 1 through 4 says this. Therefore I ex- exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good, and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, and who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God says if you want to have a peaceable life, instead of being so tore up all the time about the, of what the authority figure in your life is doing or saying, why not pray for them? Why not intercede for them? Now, I know that you don't need to be somebody to walk all over. I'm not saying that you can't ever stand up for yourself. I'm not saying that you don't have to be uh, beat down. Nobody's supposed to be beat down. You you know, you don't have to stay in that environment. But our, our default reaction is to be angry and to speak things against authority instead of what God said the kingdom default authority, uh, reaction should be, and that is to pray for those who are in authority over you. Are you with me, church? Boy, this is a good sermon. I can tell for the last two weeks I've got the least amount of amens that I've gotten in a long time. I must really be hitting home. Praise God. i got more folks stirred up in the last two weeks than I have in the last two years probably. Now listen. The Bible talks about four levels. Everybody say four levels. Four levels of authority that God has set up in the New Testament. First thing I want to do is read to you a scripture. 1 Peter 2, 17 says this. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. I'm going to read that again. Here's, here's a, one, a one verse sum up of how you can live a peaceable life. Honor all people. 
love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Notice we, we shut you down on honor all people, even though we don't. How I many of us, we don't honor all people. Let's just be real. We'll, shout, we'll really shout down love the brother. Oh, I love my brothers. Come on, my brothers and the sisters in the house of God. Oh, of course I fear God. But we want to stop and honor the king. We want to honor the king that we like. Well, I might do a little better if I talk like this. Could that help a little bit? See, I want our church to know this. There is power and there is a reward. God's word said it. There is a reward that is given when you honor those who are in your life. In fact, it says when you don't honor those that are in your life, you can lose your reward. That's what we preached last week. I ain't got time to re-preach that. You with me, church? So the first, this is your, this is your next thing we know. Uh, the, let's see, did I skip one? A spirit of honor, yes, number two, a spirit of honor positions you for favor. A spirit of honor positions you for favor. How many wants the favor of God in your life? Then you need to operate in a spirit of honor. Because you can't ask God for favor, for his favor, when your lifestyle is diametrically opposed to what he said it's supposed to be. See, some people think just because God is good all the time and all the time God is good, that his favor is on everybody. No, he loves everybody, but his favor is not on everybody. If his favor was on everybody just because he loved everybody, then why would anybody need to even get saved? Because, see, he loves the people who are not saved, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loves the sinner. But if you think he puts his favor on everybody that he loves then that should be, for God so loved and favored the sinner that he chilled up in heaven and said, there's no reason for me to go. No, he came and died so that whosoever believes in him would have eternal life. Come on and hear me. And be blessed. So you want to have, have favor in your life? You better operate in the spirit of honor. Amen. Mm. The first level, the next thing you notice, the first New Testament le- uh, authority level is civil authority. Civil authority. Civil authority. Let me show you what the Bible says about, Rome, about civil authority. Romans 13, 3 through 7 says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of, a, of authority? Do what is good. You will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject. Oh, you don't like this, but I'm just reading the Bible. Not only because of wrath, because of what you know could happen by the authority that he has over your life, but also for your conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to who taxes are due, customs to who customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Woo! I think I just need to stop because I guarantee y'all, y'all didn't like none of that. Because I don't like it. I didn't even like reading it. I certainly don't like preaching it. But you know what? That's what the Bible says. 
And, and look, it's going to mess y'all up when I try to break it down, what he's trying to say to you. He's trying to say to you that when God puts an authority figure in your life, all authorities of God, the thought, not that person, that person might not be flowing in God's perfect will or not, but the term authority is a realm and it is a rule of government of which is a kingdom principle. Are y'all hearing me? So when he's trying to say authority is all, of, all authorities of God, he's not saying everyone that's in authority is being a godly person. But that position in which they exist in is based on a kingdom principle that is called authority. And watch this. It is in our human nature to rebel against the kingdom. We, that's why Jesus came so that we, he could reintroduce the kingdom to us. By the time he came uh, uh, 2,000 2, plus years ago and began his life here on this earth, he had started this world off by showing them what the kingdom looked like in the garden. It didn't take them long to leave the entire kingdom principle. By the time he came on the scene and began his ministry at age 30 during the Roman Empire, he had to use the actual Roman Empire to actually teach us how the kingdom operates. Because mankind had so, the church had so succumbed themselves to thinking that, that the kingdom of the Romans was the most powerful force in the world and what they wanted was the Messiah to come and overthrow that kingdom and that's the only kind of principle they could understand. God had to use the Roman soldier's armor to teach us what the armor of God looks like. He had to teach, that is why he waited, I'm going back and re-preaching my series called Unshakable Kingdom, go back and watch it, but that, that is why Dr. Miles Monroe just changed my life in his book called Rediscovering the Kingdom when he said that is why God waited until the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire was was the first empire that truly, in a demonic way, had at its underlyings of the way it operated as a government, God could use those principles of that kingdom to teach how the kingdom of God operates. Are y'all with me, church? We don't like it. How many, how many loves and enjoys paying taxes? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing when you work all week long and you know how many hours you work and you get your check and you don't get to take home what you, you know you work to make and all of a sudden that big old number goes to an entity that you know is going to probably waste every dime of it? Probably on many things. Thank you, Fifi, for giving me a little amen corner over there. Probably on things that you don't even spiritually, morally even agree with. But guess what? Stop paying them. And see what happens. Huh? Stop paying them and see what happens. How many of those, the authority will show you their authority. So, there's that random few people in the world that so I'm so glad that I can pay taxes because I, it can help, blah, 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 blah. But most people hate paying taxes. And most people don't pay taxes because they know something good's going to come up. They pay taxes out of fear of the authority called the IRS. Am I preaching good? See, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, Therefore I exhort first 
of all that supplication, prayer, and intercession, giving thanks be made unto all men for kings and all who are in authority, that you may be, lead, as we just read, a, a quiet and peaceable life, which I love. I'm reading this again because I want to read this last part again. For there is, for this is the good and accept is as good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. This is good and acceptable. Render unto authority that which it is expected to be rendered to. God said, that is civil authority. Next thing you notice is this. We can't live a life of peace and reverence when we are driven by dishonor and rebellion. That's what he's trying to say. You want a peaceable life? Be driven by honor. You want a tormented life, a tormented mind, never happy, always walking in the spirit of offense, always questioning, always making it about things that it's not really about, hearing things that's not really being said, seeing things that really didn't happen. That's all as a result of a spirit of rebellion. It's always blew my mind how people can sit in the same church service right next to each other hear the same message and the same words come out of my mouth, and one of them write down on, on their connect card, my God, that was the most powerful revelation I've ever received in my life. My life has forever be changed. And uh, sitting right next to somebody that got mad and offended and left the church on the same day because of what I said. It's the same word. It's the same thing. Has, I didn't speak two different things to those two different people. It was where their heart was. It's a matter of heart. Can I get an amen? That's a, I mean, how, how many would agree that our country is in a matter of the heart state of emergency? How many of us, we've gone into cardiac arrest? Next thing we notice is this, the, that's civil authority. We are to respect the government civil authority. Second New Testament authority that, that God talks about is family authority. Family authority. This is powerful. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3 says this. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you live long on the earth. It is a promised reward when you honor your parents. I mean, this society that we live in now promotes dishonor of parents. Some of y'all need to watch some of the shows that you let and babysit your kids. A lot of those shows, if you watch them, you say, well, it's a family show because I see the mom and the dad and the kids and all this. You watch the show. The dad especially always is a buffoon. Am I right? He's an idiot. The kid has more wisdom than the dad and the mom, but the mom usually comes out better. The dad is usually always made to look like an idiot and a buffoon. We have raised a generation of kids who are watching these shows, and it's very difficult for them to honor their father and their mother in real life when they are inundated with the media trying to tell them, that's stupid, that's silly, they have no idea what you're, what you're going through and they can't relate to you, they're just a bunch of old fogies, come on. When you honor your father and mother, the Bible says it, will, it, will, it is a promise associated with it. That your life, that, think about this, that the, your life can be extended by honoring your father and mother. Let me just stop and say this right now. People have asked me, why did it take you so long to write your book? 
20 years ago, there's people in this church, 20 years ago, they remember me telling them, I need to write a book about my life. I've been wanting to say it, I'm going to write a book for 20 years. I never wrote my book out of honor for my mother. Because if you've read my book, you know what I'm talking about. I did not want to bring any dishonor to my mother. So in my mind, I was thinking one day when she's with the Lord, I'll write this book. But there was a sense of urgency came on me at this time in my life. And, but you know what? Before I wrote the book, standing right here at the Elevate Conference, just a few years ago, God spoke to me and said, it's time for you to write the book. But even though I heard God say that, my default was, I can't do this. I can't do this to my mother. So I went to my pastor. And my, I said to my pastor what God had told me. He said, son, let me tell you what you got to do. You got to go talk to your mama. And you got to ask your mama, is, she said, don't listen to her words. I'll never forget what he said. Don't listen to her words. You know her. Look at her eyes. Because she's going to say, son, write the book. But look at her eyes. If her eyes tell you that she don't want this to be out, then you, son, I hate to tell you, you can't write the book. Because you told me all your life that God's told you you can't write the book out of, because you want to honor your mother. Y'all hear me? That's what me and my wife did. We went over there right before I went to Nepal. I'll never forget it. It was just a few days before I got on the plane to Nepal. And I sat down with my mother. And for two hours, we talked about it. And there was emphatically no doubt about it. She, I knew that God had moved on her to bless me to write the book. But you know what the next thing I did? Even though I had the permission, I went to my brother. I have one sibling. I went to my brother who's five years younger than me. Even though he's very rarely even mentioned in the book because I didn't want to bring him into it. I went to him and I, I asked his permission as well. I said, you know, I'm, I want to tell our story. I know most of it. I want you to know that almost all of it, I'll tell about what happened to me. Most, quite frankly, most, most didn't happen to him. But it would involve him. It would bring questions into his family. Everybody would know that he's my brother. So I wanted to honor my brother. Are you hearing me? So I got permission of my brother. And then, you, if, you know, if you've read my book, you know, this is not to tap me on the back. I'm just telling you, I got to live by what I preach. So I knew the only way I could write my book is I had to tell some horrible things about my father. How do you do that and still honor your father? Well, if you've read the book, I'm going to tell you something. It was God. I had to tell some things that made him not look that the greatest person in the world. But several times throughout the book, I made a point to say I could say so much more, but I'm not because my purpose was not to write this book to dishonor my father. It was to tell you what God brought me out of. Are you hearing me? I purposely didn't name him, didn't even hint to what his name was, and the other people that was involved in my life as well that dropped me and broke me. Why? Because what good does it do me, a 50-year-old man, to destroy somebody else's name to make me feel better about myself? I had to tell my story, but when it was all said and done, I had several people come up to me and tell me I appreciate the fact that I didn't know your father, but I appreciate the fact that you did everything in your power not to defame him. In fact, you ended up at the end doing everything you could to lift his name up. Because I know that God cannot expect me to get up here and preach with favor if I don't live it. Amen. You might as well shout amen whether you like it or not because it's true. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long, that it may be well with you in the land in which the Lord your God 
is giving you. There's another, there's another part of your family that you need to honor, and that's your spouse. Men. Men, are you, are you in here, men? Say amen. amen. Men. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Don't get messed up, ladies, by what that means. That doesn't mean that you're so automatic. Every time I read that, I ain't no weaker vessel. Who you trying to call me weak? Do y'all know who I'm married to? It's just talking about levels of authority. It's just talking about order. And as being heirs together, somebody shout together, together. of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Listen, when you do not, husbands, honor your wives, your prayers are hindered. These men that want to dominate their wives and use the Bible to, as an excuse to dominate them, their prayers are going up to a brass ceiling. I thought some ladies had shot me down. The weaker vessel does not mean that women are weak. Men are scruffy, tough, and rough on the edges. I like this illustration. I'm reading the illustration I saw. Men are scruffy, tough, and rough on the edges. Just, we just, we're just a container. We just hold stuff. Women are like a fine vase of beauty to be treasured and costly. You know, in other words, if you want to look at a man and a woman, don't take it the wrong way, guys. Come on, let's just be real. If you, if you, want, to just, if you want to go home and look in your cabinets and illustrate a man and a woman, just find an old plastic piece of rubber, Rubbermaid or Tupperware. It's got all kinds of stains in it. Put that up on the shelf. Then go find a fine piece of china and put it up on the same shelf. How many of those, they both hold things, they just both hold them differently. Are you hearing me? Wives. How many wives we got in the house? Ladies in the house, shout amen. Y'all thought y'all was going to get off easy, didn't you? Wives, honor your husband. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. I know some ladies wish this scripture wasn't even in there. <laughs> Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Come y'all, but I ain't submitting to nobody. My mama told me not to do that. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. I want you to notice one thing. Wives are to honor their own husbands. Amen. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Not another woman's husband. Can I preach a little bit? I got news for you. My wife is not going to submit to you. Just because you're a man. Now, if you're an authority figure of her life, she's going to. But just because you're a man, you ain't going to tell my wife what to do. Come on, you hear me? Just like I ain't going to tell your wife what to do. I'll be your pastor. I'll give advice. I'll give wisdom. But if you're married, I will always 
Never, ever, ever, if if it's within my power, my intentions are to never overstep my authority in your lives, ladies, especially if you're married. Are you hearing me? And it doesn't mean subservient in a slave state. It just means to trust. Because the Bible says, if you want to understand what it means, it says, for just as he is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. How many knows Jesus is the head of the body? Right? But how many here was forced to be saved? How many, how many of you did Jesus force you to be saved? Not a one. But he led you, did he not? He led you to him by his spirit. The Holy Spirit is his spirit. It's the spirit of God. So the way the Spirit of God moves is the heart of God. He is a gentleman. He blesses, He honors, He woos, He leads, He heals, He nurtures. So if you want to know how your relationship is supposed to be, husbands to your wives, and wives how you're supposed to look at your husbands, you're supposed to have a relationship where you trust your husband to lead you in a direction. Are you with me, church? If you're not married, then you are who you are. You know what? You like, ladies, if you're a single mom, then guess what? You ain't got a husband. She doesn't do what you want to do. No, no, just kidding. No, no, seriously, seriously. I'm just kidding. Ladies, I'm telling you, one of the hardest things in the world is a single mom. And by the way, and a single dad. Every time people always talk about single moms, and they always forget that we have single dads now raising kids. Whether you're a single mom or a single dad raising a kid in this world is probably the most difficult job, the most difficult role in all of humanity to raise a child on your own today. That is another reason why you need a church family. A good church family, not just a place to go to church, but a church family where your sons will have spiritual fathers, where your daughter will have spiritual mothers that will help you. Amen? You're not alone. Look at somebody tell them you're not alone. My mama raised me as a single mother from the, from the age of nine and a half. I might have been ten, but I was around nine and a half or ten years old. From that day to this day, my mother's raised me as a single mother. So don't tell me I don't understand what it is to be raised by a single mother. I watched my mother work seven days a week her entire life. I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not talking about seven days a week at home. She worked seven days a week every day of my childhood and my teenage years uh, and even in my early adult life. I've never seen a person work like that before in my life. The third New Testament authority is social authority. Social authority. That is not social media authority, okay? (laughs) Before anybody starts freaking out, those that are over you in the Lord on Facebook. No. Social authority. The word social, it's got hijacked. It is so ironic to me that we have a generation who are just professionals at social media but have no social skills. So somebody asked me one time, said, how did you meet girls back when you was a kid and a teenager? Well, you walked up to them and talked to them. I mean, you actually met them. And you walked up to him and said, hey, how you doing? Huh? 
You know, hey, what's up? <laughs> Come on. You had to master lines. Huh? Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am. Could I have your autograph? What? what you, oh, you are a celebrity, right? You are a supermodel. Oh, are you serious? I could have swore you as a supermodel. I'll never forget when me and Sandy first started dating. It was like two or three weeks into dating. And I, I, I was just looking at her one day, and I was just touching her hair, and I just said, I said, baby, when I, when I look into your eyes, she goes, stop. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Ask her. She'll tell you. She said, stop. Stop right now. And I was like, what? She goes, this, I promise you to say what she said. She said, I done heard about all your lines. All my girlfriends and done told me how you work. So she said, so you just need to know right now, ain't none of them going to work with me. I was speechless. I was stunned. She was the first girl to ever say anything like it to me. You know what it did? It made me more determined. I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> you will be mine. But I'll never get you. Stop. This is the world in which we live. Bosses, teachers, coaches. 1 Timothy 6, 1 says, Let as many bond servants, that elaborates into bosses, teachers, coaches, etc., as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Woo! Wouldn't you love that if that was in the Old Testament so you could say that didn't apply to you? I, I, I'm just shocked at the time, times that, that people was, is that, is that the Old Testament or New Testament? And when you tell them New Testament, they'll be like, for real? Because it's Old Testament, their default is, well, thank God for the New Testament. I don't live under the law, praise God. But wait a minute, Timothy is in the New Testament. Timothy is a letter being written from Paul to a pastor, a young pastor who is in authority. Are you hearing me? So he says this. This is fancy King James language of how it reads, but here's what it says. When you are in a position where someone has authority over you in a title, you are to honor them. In that title you don't have to honor their lifestyle or how they treat you but you have to respect that title because when you do if you do not listen to what he's saying to timothy if you do not you blaspheme the doctrine and the name of god if i had a mic in my hand i could drop it but i can't drop this one And the praise team freaks out if I grab this. No! <laughs> you know what? This ain't an easy sermon, but how many of us we need to hear it, don't we? Because we got a society that's going in the opposite direction. So I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. I think some of y'all need to rethink how you've been talking about your boss behind the back. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, I have found the one that makes your skin crawl the most, if you'll pray for them, and God turns them, they'll do more for you in your life than anybody that was your buddy-buddy could have ever done because you'll know that God did it. I told the story about this guy I worked with one time. He used to just give me heck all the time, man. Would just mock me, make fun of me. And I just kept trying to just stay the course. And I'd, you know, I'd say, well, praise the Lord, brother. I'd go in the next room. And I'd come back out. What's up, brother? God bless you, man. I wouldn't let him see me sweat. I wouldn't let him see me get angry. But I got angry. I got hurt. But I kept praying for him. I kept just trying to be there even though he mocked me. When his child got sick with an incurable disease, he showed up at work and he came straight to me with tears in his eyes and he asked me to pray for his daughter. And he's like, I'm not saying anything else about any of these Christians, but I'm asking you to pray because you're the only one that I've watched be consistent in your faith. And I prayed for him and his daughter was, was, was touched and healed. Be careful, because the ones that you think are trying to destroy the most, they may be just responding to the conviction that you bring in their lives, and the only way they can even deal with the fact that they know that their life is supposed to look like your life is to try to make you miserable and bring you down to their level. Live your faith in front of those that persecute you. The fourth New Testament, on your, this is on your notes, the fourth New Testament authority is the one nobody likes to talk about, and that's church authority. Church authority. You believe there's authority in the church? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 says this, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Do you see a pattern here? It, there's scriptures when he's talking about social authority, church authority, civil authority, We've read three different scriptures here that deal with three different types of authority, and all of them had another word in there that said peace. The word peace was in every one of them. It says that if you do this and honor these types of authority, you will live a life of peace. In other words, he says if you don't honor authority, your life will be chaos. Miracles happen in other countries, but not here on the level. Why? Many times it's because of honor. I think about Kenya all the time. Kenya is a nation who understands authority. Quite frankly, it's because they were under the authority of the British kingdom before they got their freedom. So many of the elements of the British Empire are still in place in the culture and the DNA of them there. Not in, not, it wasn't a good thing that was done to them. It was a bad thing that done it, but it at least got the kingdom DNA in them, and it made it into the church. If you go to Kenya and you preach in Kenya, let me tell you something. Every minister of God is honored there in Kenya. They don't care if you preach in a church that's 10,000 people. If you come to their country, whether your church is a plant church, you got five people in your church, if you come to Kenya as a man of God, you're going to be honored on the same level as the president. Yeah. And what happens? Miracles. Because the glory of God can be present. Are you hearing me? It's not just Kenya, it's other countries. When you go into other cultures, most cultures have a welcoming and an honoring culture. Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. When I went to Indonesia in 2008, 
I remember thinking, this was not long after 9-11, I was thinking, wow, the largest Muslim nation in the world, people were praying for me for my safety. I can tell you this, when I was in Indonesia, I had never felt more welcomed and loved in any country I've ever been in my life than in the largest Muslim nation in the world, Indonesia. Because in their Eastern culture, I'd go into a Muslim home with the team, and I'd be praying, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over my protection. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, they're going to kill me. Because I'm an American. I'm a not just American, I'm a Christian American. Now, of course, you can't go into a Muslim house and just start preaching Jesus right off the bat. That wouldn't be good. But they would take the last piece of bread they had and give it to me. They would, I remember sitting at this one table, and around the table, it was a poor home that was at. They brought out a piece of bread, a little chunk of bread about this big on the plate, and they broke that piece of bread into two, and they gave one piece to me, and they gave one piece to the other minister that was with me in this little hut, and they found out that was the last piece of bread they had, and they all sat and and I looked at them, and I, I said, no, 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 you eat, you eat, you eat. I felt so bad. There was no way I was going to eat that bread, knowing that I just found out this was the last piece of bread they had. They were, they said, the interpreter looked at me and said, you must eat this. It is the most offensive thing in the world that you could ever do to this family. They will, never, they will judge Christianity forever as being someone that dishonored them if you do not eat this piece of bread. They, in their culture, they need to honor you. Even though they know you're a Christian, they consider you to be a religious man. And because you're a religious man, they want to honor you. So I had to eat this little piece of bread in front of these people who were starving. And I felt about that tall. But when I ate it, you know what happened? They smiled. They smiled because it brought them peace. Even though they weren't a Christian. It brought that Muslim family peace when they had the opportunity to honor the man of God. Are you hearing me? See, Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 42, says this, he who receives or, or honor, he who receives or honors you, receives or honors me. He who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives, that is the word honors, a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives or honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. The only time you see losing a reward there is when he says you remove honor but every other thing in that scripture he says you will be rewarded if you if you honor a prophet you'll receive a prophet's reward come on well i want to be a pastor then honor your pastor what you make happen for others god will make happen for you can i get an amen Jesus is speaking of the three categories of people that we will all encounter in our life in the church. The prophet, that's those who are above us and over, and over you in authority. That's, uh, in this church, it would be myself and Sandy, the elders of our church, the, the department heads of our church, the leaders, the pastors of our church. They're there for you. They're in authority position for you. Then there's the righteous man, those who are on the same level as you. That's the person sitting next to you. 
What good is it for you to honor me, but you don't honor the person sitting next to you? Huh? A lot of folks honor the pastor, but they don't honor their brothers and their sisters. In fact, to be truth, truthful, I'd rather you treat your brothers and your sisters good and don't worry about me. You want to honor me? Praise God. I appreciate that. That's a godly thing that you should do. But I'd rather you be good to your brothers and sisters. Wor worry about being good to your brothers and sisters than being so concerned about worried about me. It's just like when, when I see somebody in public, they change immediately. Huh? I mean, they immediately, praise the Lord. How you doing, brother? Praise God. God, it's so good. How you doing, man? What's up, man? I'll say, what's up, man? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored by the blood of Jesus. Oh, yes, blessed going in. Woo, blessed by the blood. Ah! You feel that? You feel that, Pastor? Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm like, I want to just say, like, chill, dude. It's okay. It's all right, man. I just want to say, hey, I'm just coming in here to get some milk. That's all. Have a good day, man. I'm just, I'm just a man just like you. But one of your brothers or your sisters from the church show up, you'd be like, what's up? What's, how you doing, man? I'm alive. That's about it. Yeah, my life stinks, man. You just start unloading on them. Huh? And then there's the little ones, the little children. Those are those that you are entrusted in authority over. God says if you don't honor those that you're over, how can you expect them to honor you? Hmm? Let me show you how Solid Rock Church operates. Watch this. If you ever serve at all in this church, at all, in any way, whether it be nursery, parking cars, handing out worship guides, leading worship on the worship team, working on the sound stage, cutting grass, cleaning the church, if you ever serve this house ever, stand up right now. Stand up. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Stand up. If you ever serve, stand up. That's not to make anybody that's not stand up. I just want you to look what it takes for this house to bless you. It's not about Pastor Larry. Pastor Larry couldn't do anything if it wasn't for you, for the people that are standing. I think we all show some love for these that are standing right now. Come on, you can be seated. Now, for those who weren't standing, got a thing called the growth track. We're waiting on you because we need you. I told somebody this morning, this morning I was praying, and I said, God, for years you've been telling me that you want to fill this church and fill our church and explode our church what is the problem? Just tell me what the problem is. This is what the Holy Spirit told me this morning. Son, you are not enough. That's what I heard from the Lord this morning. You are not enough. You can do everything in your power, and it will not happen, because I need the people to rise. I need Because everything rises and falls on leadership. You can be exactly where I need you to be, saying what I need you to say, doing what I need you to do, and it's still not going to happen because you are not enough. That's why we preach. That's why we equip for you to get off the bench and get in the game because there are people that are driving up and down Highway 79 right now that God wants to send here, but he's waiting on you. Last thing in your notes is this. One powerful form of honor is to give with your finances with what you honor. Mm, I didn't get too many shouts on that one. If you really believe in something, you put your money where your mouth is. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions. 
and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do you want to be blessed? Then honor the Lord with your possessions. Notice that it says that your possession. Some of you are tithers and you think that you've met this criteria. But watch this. If you are a tither, praise God, you're, you're being obedient. But you have not met this criteria because not one penny of your tithe is yours. So when you bring your tithes, you are not honoring the Lord with your possessions. Are y'all hearing me? Because all you're doing is really giving to him what is his. Remember what he said in Malachi, if you withhold it, you've robbed God. How have we robbed you, God? You've robbed me in tithe and in offerings. You're cursed with a curse. I go on. I don't want to preach on big time on tithing in three minutes. But the reality is this. When you tithe, you're really just honoring Lord, the Lord and, and acknowledging your place with him. And that if he wanted to, he could take it all because the whole, what you're really doing is saying, Lord, the whole earth is yours in the fullness thereof. I'm thankful, God, that you're letting me live on this 90% and blessing me on this 90%. So of that 90%, that's yours. God said, I'll give that to you. Even though it's really mine, I'll give it to you. I'll call it yours, but the 10 I'll call mine. So when you honor the Lord, you really honor the Lord as a giver. Your tithes and offerings. So you can't offer God your tithes. But you can offer God an offering. An offering comes when you have something you possess and you offer it to someone. Remember this. Honor is simply by you giving your life, but also by the words of your mouth. Think about this. When it's out, you know, right now you can't imagine this because it's so hot, still so humid, but it won't be long. Snap your fingers, fall will be here. And how many of those fall in spring in Alabama is just like, boom, that's it. Leaves fall, boom, it's cold. But when the cold weather comes, you ever, you ever go out on them days when it's really cold? Remember when you was a kid and you first started seeing your breath? You, Some of y'all was trying to be cool and act like you were smoking when you was a kid. <laughs> but it's not smoke, what, what is it? It's, it's your breath. It's coming out of you, it's your mouth, it's part of you. It's been inside of you and it comes out of you. When it's cold, you can see your breath. You can see it, but it has no weight. It disappears. It's the only time in our existence that we can literally see the ramifications of our voice and our words. But I use that illustration to think about this. How many knows it? what is making that mist that smoke come out of our mouth in the winter is coming out today right all it is is a a different environment that reveals to us something that's always going on you can't talk without breath coming out of you you can move your lips there's no words if i'm going to speak a word then i've got to have breath inside of me the Bible talks about the breath of God is the Spirit of God. The word Spirit is the word pneuma, which means breath. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, it is the breath of God. So when you think about that, the heart of man is the Spirit of man or the breath of man. That's why it says the power of life and death 
is where? In your tongue. So when you speak, imagine every time you speak, imagine seeing your breath come out like in the, in the winter. Because it's coming out right now. The difference between actual physical breath and spiritual breath and spiritual words is it, it, it has weight. Your words actually have weight. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's the biggest lie that has ever been told humanity. I promise you, there have been times in my life that I would have been much rather had somebody take a baseball bat and beat me than to have to deal with the words that's been spoken to me. I'm 50 years old, and I've, I've been healed by every cut and every surgery. I've got scars to prove, but the healing process is long gone beyond. But there are still wounds that I still have to dress that came from my childhood because of what was said to me about me. Be careful what you say. Not just about authority. Remember, we're not teaching you just to honor those that are over you. We're teaching you to honor people. Honor people. We were all created in the image of God. So when I walked around with that, I see greatness in you shirt. People was just like, what? Nothing good about me. I said, oh yeah, there's nothing good about you. There's something incredibly great about you. How? Because you, I don't even know you, but I know there's greatness in you because you were created in the image of God. Therefore, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to love you. What kind of church are we if we're not going to love people and honor people? Amen.